Welcome to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm your host, Richard Nelson. Christian evangelism, what is it? Why is it important to people, the church, and the culture? Joining us to talk further is Jason Pettis, the pastor of Living Hope Baptist Church in Bowling Green, Kentucky. Jason, welcome to the program. Hey, thanks for having me. Hey, brother, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on the program was because you have been pastoring at Living Hope uh, Baptist Church for some 20 years, and you have a passion for introducing people to Jesus and to see lives transformed. And just as I was saying off the air, I was inspired by the last conversation we had um, about how to bridge that gap and to connect with people who don't know Jesus. And um, I thought, man, we need to do a program on this very topic, because quite frankly, there's a lot of fear when it comes to sharing the gospel. There's confusion as to where do we begin? How do we even start that conversation? And uh, when you and I got together, you just cut right through all of that, and you did it with such joy and hope, and you got passion, to put put it frankly. And I need to ask that question to start out with, Jason, where does your passion to share the gospel uh, with the world come from? You know, I, I was dead in my sin, and Christ gave me new life, and that has that has changed everything for me. And to recognize uh, that the reality of the, of the gospel is true, and the way it has touched my life and given me hope and given me purpose and given me direction, um, it, it inspires me. And study God's word over all these years, having come to Saving Faith, and and seeing the the consistency of the scripture and the power of the story of God and mm-hmm. our part in it, it it moves me. It, it makes me want to help people know this grand story that we're a part of, and to help people and to guide them to the truth. And, and the truth is, the Son of God has come. He's died for our sins. He's been raised. He's alive. There's forgiveness. There's healing. There's hope. There's eternal life. And and it's it's true. It is true. It is true. And uh, one of my observations, now you and I are pretty close to the same age, and I think it's fair to say that both you and I have seen a lot of changes in our culture, especially in the last five years or so. We've seen this, what I call and what Carl Truman calls uh, radical, expressive individualism to the point where People don't just um, define their own identity, but they can transcend categories that used to be considered and embraced as objectively true, categories of male and female, for example. Um, and, and so here's the question. It, we live in a, in a uh, post-truth, post-Christian, uh, an age where people define their own reality, let's be frank. Um, so, so we have this this great divide between Christian truths as you were just articulating. And I agree with everything you just said, brother. Um, But then there's many in our culture that just deny the idea of objective truth altogether. Uh, There are many people in influential institutions that uh, reject the reality of God. And if not verbally, at least by their actions Uh, in some of those institutions are just outright hostile to the things of God. And here's my question to you. How do we break through that in a culture that is uh, truth-rejecting, if you will, a culture where people are defining their own reality? Let's start with that. Do you have a strategy or do you have some thoughts regarding that? Yeah, I think, I think first of all, 
I think we need to begin with compassion. Um, and we need to understand that there is absolute truth, just as sure as there is gravity. Yeah. And I believe what we need to understand is that there are people who are living their lives as though there is no gravity, as yeah. though there's there's nothing that's going to pull and, and force and have significant consequences uh, for their life and dangerous. And I think we need to begin with compassion. Then we need to, I believe, listen and, and understand where they're coming from and why. Um, yeah. Everyone's battling something. Everyone's got to fight. Everything that, that's going on in the world is creating for uh, so so many of us, all of us, I believe, uh, yeah. a, a sense of, of unrest. And so understanding where they're coming from, where they're seeing the world from, and then helping them understand the, the, the reality of what truly is going on and being able to present the truth in such a way, not only that it's understandable, but they want it to be true. I think that's part of the challenge today. And, and one of the, the things I have to check in my own heart and one of the things that I, I think we all need to, to check in our own hearts and, and why we're doing what we're doing. The, the goal is not to win the argument. That's not the assignment. The assignment is to make disciples of Jesus. And if they don't want to be disciples of Jesus, if there's no compelling reason for them to be a disciple of Jesus, all the other questions that we want to answer and all the topics that we want to talk about are irrelevant to them without a good why. And so I, I believe we need to, to help explain the, the why of Christianity and then get into the what and the how. Jason, there's there's a lot there. There's two points I want to uh, to touch on. First of all, you made a really good point about um, being compassionate. Uh, we all have our own battles, our own struggles, and for the follower of Jesus who has come to faith um, and and turned from their sin, they've experienced the reality of forgiveness of um, not having this sin or this brokenness hanging over them, um, weighing them down. And I think when we think through that or just grasp that reality of what God has done for us through Christ, um, that compels us to be compassionate and careful with others who we don't know their battle, we don't know what they're struggling with, but it certainly should um, compel us to be compassionate. So I'm glad you brought that out. The second point is about the the obligation, the goal, uh, if you will, for Christians, is not to win the argument, uh, but it's to uh, to to make disciples. It's to proclaim the gospel in a compassionate, careful way, but it's to make disciples. Uh, Matthew twenty eight eighteen through twenty shares the great commission. It says therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit, in teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Um, so, Jason, here's a, a big-picture question, a broader question, uh, regarding the church in the United States. Have we discipled well? And if not, or if so, what, what are some of those challenges to true discipleship? Yeah, I think that we have provided a great deal of information we, we have a lot of content uh, available to Christians. It's, it's amazing what is available. I mean, we're having a discussion right now. I wonder how many discussions are taking place in the United States today by evangelical thinkers who believe in, in, in the gospel, who have access to books and books and books and so much information. So 
it's not that we don't have enough information. Uh, the thing I believe that is lacking is a real call to action with accountability. And I think what we have basically said, Christianity consists of uh, you giving an hour or so going and listening and coming to a place where you believe in your head. Now, whether or not it gets to the heart, there, there seems to be some irrelevance there to, in the thinking of some. And I think that's the problem. I think that there has been a, a, a limited gospel, a gospel that only provides, if you will, a, a guarantee of a, a, a judgment less eternity. And while that is absolutely a wonderful gift of salvation, God does not only give us forgiveness, he gives us new life. And that life is transformative. That life is moving and active. And that life is meant to be lived and shared. And I, I believe one of the things that's lacking in evangelical Christianity is the action with accountability, loving accountability, women with women, men with men, taking action to share their faith, to walk in the truth, to know the truth, to be able to describe it accurately, and to, to walk according to God's way with those who are encouraging and supporting as, as we go. Yeah, yeah, that, that's put very well. Uh, I think of um, all of the, to your point, uh, all of the um, books and teaching materials and um, even active churches, we're blessed to have uh, so many, um, here in Kentucky, so many Bible-teaching, Bible-believing churches. Um, but here's the challenge in my observation is that on Sunday, everybody in Kentucky is a Christian, <laughs> even if they're not in church. Come Monday through Saturday, that's a different story. And where I was going with, uh, towards with this question was, the gospel, if it's truly embraced and truly understood, and once we've come to faith in Christ, is a radical change for the individual. And it should inform how we do all of life, not just our worship on Sunday mornings, but how we relate to our families when we get back from that church service, or how we uh, engage in the workplace on Monday mornings, um, how we process through our uh, entertainment. Um, our hobbies, uh, even consumption of news, our politics. Uh, the gospel should give us a, a new way of doing life, and Scripture gives us a new grid by which we look at life. And I would submit to you that when you look at the culture today, there are some, some challenges. And I'd even go so far to say, Jason, that there's some fear of believers who really do believe. I'm not questioning their salvation, but the fear is, boy, if I take these biblical principles into the workplace, um, I'm thinking of teachers, public school teachers. Uh, Living Hope uh, just hosted a special workshop that we had not too long ago regarding the LGBT push in public schools and how do we respond as Christians. Uh, that wasn't just a theoretical uh, threat that teachers were facing, Christian teachers were facing, when the Kentucky Department of Education uh, advised and recommended that teachers use preferred gender pronouns of students and keep it hidden from parents. That was a real, that was an existential threat to their conscience and to their religious convictions. And we were trying to help Christian teachers and administrators think through that. Um, but this is our culture today, where there is little regard generally towards conscience and towards um, the things of God. And I think in the church, we need to be thinking carefully, how do we equip those members in the congregation who 
are living in a world that's often hostile to to the faith. Um, and I applaud you, by the way, you and Living Hope for hosting this uh, the workshop that we've been doing all across the state. Jason, um, one thing I noticed, <laughs> so one thing that in our last conversation was that you are incredibly full of joy. Uh, you are not discouraged by things that I just shared, the, some of the cultural challenges that Christians are facing, but you have this optimism and this joy that overflows um, where some might see what's happening and say, oh my goodness, we're in such moral decline and moral chaos. It must mean Christ is coming soon. And yet you look ahead, you press ahead. What is it that buoys you to press ahead? The victory is won. Uh, you know, we're just we're just shoring up the battles. And so we know where this is going. Scripture is clear as to to what is to come. I mean, we we have the Bible and the Bible is a single story. Creation, fall, rescue, restoration. The rescue has come. The restoration is still upon us. The kingdom of God has come. The kingdom of God is here and not fully, but but the kingdom is coming and, and God is on the move in the world. And Listen, we're not the first Christians to face this kinds of this kind of persecution. We're not the first to to have to to fight and 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 to deal with ideas that are contrary to what is what is best for human thriving. And what we have on our side is the truth. And so we have the joy with with great confidence and courage to speak the truth in love because we we know where we're going. We know what what is happening, why it's happening. The, the scriptures is clarified that for us in, in Ephesians 6. And so as we put on Christ, the whole armor of God, we can walk forward knowing that, that God is with us to the very end and his plan is succeeding. And despite what is happening around us, we don't look to circumstances to define how we should feel. We look to the Lord. We, we, we look to the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us and, and our fellowship of believers and we encourage one another, and all the more as we see the day approaching. So we have every reason to rejoice. What we need to do, others know there's reason to have hope. There's reason to lean in. Don't lean back. Don't be afraid. Be encouraged. And share with those who are struggling that, that don't know the truth and walk with them and talk with them about what's happening. Why is there brokenness? Why is the world the way it is? What is your solution? What do you think is the best way for us to go about seeking a solution. And we know that the gospel, the love and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ is the answer. And so we, we just have to help people see it, to, to understand it so they can grasp it and, and to walk in it. And that's the thing about the scripture. The gospel is described in so many ways, with so many metaphors, from so many perspectives that we have gotten. So we have so many tools and, and ways in which we can share it. Uh, listen, no, no Christian should be bored. We have a lot of work to do, and there's a lot of ways that we can learn and grow. And so uh, that's that's where my optimism comes from. That's good. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to the Commonwealth Matters. I'm Richard Nelson here with Jason Pettis. We're going to take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. There's a lot of confusion about the governor's race. There are denials about gender transitions of minors and allowing men and girls sports teams. But at Commonwealth Policy Center, we cut through the smoke so that you can know what the candidates truly believe and what they would do if they were elected. That's why we've interviewed the candidates and put together voting resources to help you better understand who represents your values. 
It's important for Christians to go out and devote biblical values. Character matters in our leadership. This isn't about partisanship or a political party. It's about the future of our commonwealth, our children, our freedom, and it's all at stake. So plan to vote this year. For more information, go to commonwealthpolicycenter.org to find out more about the candidates, and then make sure you vote your values on Tuesday, November the 7th. Welcome back to the Commonwealth Matters. Richard Nelson here with Jason Pettis, and we are talking about the gospel of Jesus Christ and evangelism. Why is it important to individuals, the church, and the culture at large? Um, Jason, just before the break, you were giving words of encouragement as to the confidence that believers can have as they share the gospel. There is a fear, unfortunately, that many people have in starting conversations and in um, sharing biblical truths. But you you left us right before the break with the idea that we we should um, care for those who are broken and hurting. And if we would simply pay attention, uh, we've got opportunities in front of us to speak life um, and to speak words of encouragement and to point others to Christ, who is the one who we're originally made for. As believers, we understand that we were originally made to walk with God, but because of uh, the sin that Adam and Eve engaged in in the garden, they rebelled against God. Because of that, there's a curse on the world, and there's separation between mankind and um, the God of the universe. But Jesus came to restore that relationship, took on our sins upon himself, so that through forgiveness and faith in him, we could have eternal life in him, and that we could begin walking with God right now. Um, Jason, I think uh, it's clear that all around us there's brokenness, not just with the people that are in our neighborhoods or in our workplace, but there's brokenness uh, in the world, um, in our politics, um, in our entertainment, um, in our neighborhoods. I mean, violence is a a campaign issue right now um, in the governor's race here in Kentucky. So um, we see we see brokenness, and yet um, the the gospel speaks to this, right? Not just brokenness in our own lives, but brokenness in in the world as well. Absolutely. And what we have to understand is that everybody, everybody believes something is good and right and true, and that they're good news. Everyone believes in in something they think is good news, and that's what the word gospel means, good news. And whatever you believe is the gospel, whatever your gospel, whatever it is you're holding to, that's going to determine what you do and how you feel. And so what we've got in our world is we have a lot of people that are believing false gospels. We have institutions that are built on false gospels, and that is producing feelings that are negative, that are hurtful that don't lead to human thriving. And there's functions that are coming out of those faith systems that are causing harm. Again, I believe that the people believe that they're right and true and good and best. But we know there's only one true gospel. And here's what we know is that our faith produces uh, feelings of hope and joy. And the function of our life is to love God and love other people, to treat to treat them with compassion and care. And that's not because we're smart or, or because we're kinder or, or, or that we have some kind of um, special uh, morality about us naturally. It, it's because 
of the power of God and the goodness of God and the love of God that compels us to walk in a way that is that is productive and helpful and produces human thriving. So when we look at our society, the question we need to be asking is, what do they believe is true and right and best? What is their gospel? What is their good news? Because it's driving the way they're functioning and it's driving their feelings. And, and I think we as believers can talk about this. Why do you feel this way? Why are you functioning this way? How is that going? Is that is that producing human thriving? Is that producing the joy and the hope and peace that your heart desires? You know, you have eternity in your heart. So is that desire, is it being fully met and satisfied? And what we know is only the love of God, only the person of Christ, only the power of the Holy Spirit can satisfy that eternal longing. And we've got to speak that. We've got to share that. We've got to talk about that. I love that. That's uh, Couldn't agree with you more on that point. Uh, I would say that one of those false gospels, by the way, in our culture today is uh, political deliverance, where we look for a political leader, whether it's president or governor or senator, whatever it might be, we look for politics and government to solve the deepest needs that we have and to restore peace. And while government has a legitimate role, in fact, it's ordained by God, we know that government cannot give us peace. It cannot give us a sense of belonging. Government cannot love us, right? Like Jesus does. Even Christians, boy, and this is the field that I work in, the the political realm. And as believers, um, we should work for good government and, you know, vote for candidates that best reflect biblical values. But I see a temptation with believers to substitute political leader with um, only what Jesus can do. And it's very important that we understand the limitations that political leaders have. It's only Jesus that can restore order in this world. By the way, we, we read in, in uh, Romans eight twenty, I believe it is, that all creation is groaning and it's longing for the sons of God to be revealed. And creation is looking for that restoration that no government can deliver or bring to us. But it's the restoration that comes when people come into personal relationship with Christ. He's the only one that can restore order and bring peace and bring the healing that this world so desperately needs. Now, Jason, that one of the challenges, one of the criticisms that we often hear, and I think of something tragic in the news, like a mass shooting. And often people say, hey, we're praying for you. Our thoughts are with you. And then I see it thrown back. Well, thoughts and prayers just aren't going to cut it, right? Keep your thoughts and prayers. Give us a gun ban, for example. And I'm using that. That might not have been the best example, but that is pushback essentially against the reality of the faith, if you will. We should be in prayer, and we should care about those who are grieving. Uh, But there are those who would charge that, yeah, that's pie in the sky, that your faith doesn't really have practical implications for what's happening in the here and now. How would you respond? Here's the thing that we bring to the table that is clarifying, and here's the thing that is unifying. And, And this is something that 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 we can we can say and and what we say and what we believe will be very very helpful to society and that is all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God we are all equal we are all sinners we and we are all capable of doing horrific things and because of that reality because we're not by nature good 
because we're not a form of 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 of, of early childhood when when there was innocence. That's not true. Listen, I have children. To ask any parent, no parent teaches their child to lie. No, no child, no parent has to teach their child how to throw a fit in Walmart in front of all your friends and embarrass. No parent does that. There is a natural inclination toward sin. And when we come to terms with that reality, that's when we understand the importance of government. And as believers, what we have to bring to the table and say clearly is, listen, I'm not better than you. You're not better than me. We're all sinners, every single one of us. And there's the equality. That's what's equal. That is what is true of all of us. And the reason we have to have government is because we have checks and balances. We have to have people and defend. We have to be able to defend ourselves, defend our families, defend our communities. We need to have the right to be able to put a police force in place that, that we are arming and legally supporting so that they will protect us because we know all human beings have fallen short of the glory of God and are capable of horrific things. So there must be a protection. There must be a weaponry. There must be a means by which we protect human beings. And that's where human thriving comes from. It's not pretending that we're good and it's all going to work out and be okay. It's because we're sinful. All of us are sinful. And any honest person can see that in their own heart. They can see their anger. They can see their the, the over-response in any given situation. We don't know what any of us do given a, another person's situation and what, what happened to them and what they faced. So we have to be, we have to be wise and we have to be willing to make hard decisions and, and put laws in place and put authorities in place. And that's why uh, political engagement is so important is because we need leaders who take seriously the, themselves under scrutiny, allow them held accountable to have a legal and, and is appropriate and to have those boundaries set, and then to have laws put in place that protect people and lead to human thriving. That, that's, the, that's the way that human beings are, are going to have to function, and the only way we can function well in a fallen world. That's good. Jason, we are just about out of time. Uh, I want to just share a passage of something for the listeners and viewers to think on. It's 2 Corinthians 5.20, and it speaks to those who are in Christ. They're new creatures, but in verse 20 of 2 Corinthians 5, it says this, We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. So here's the challenge to all of us. Regardless of where you are, regardless of your influence, uh, regardless of your abilities, you if you are in Christ and a follower of Christ, you are his ambassador. And my encouragement is to use your gifts and abilities and talents to point others to Christ. Uh, Jason Pettis, thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Commonwealth Matters. God bless you and uh, keep up the good work. Thank you. Appreciate you. Hi, Richard Nelson here with the Commonwealth Policy Center. There's a lot of confusion about the governor's race. There are denials about gender transitions of minors and allowing men on girls sports teams. But at Commonwealth Policy Center, we cut through the smoke so that you can know what the candidates truly believe and what they would do if they were elected. That's why we've interviewed the candidates and put together voting resources to help you better understand who represents your values. It's important for Christians to go out and devote biblical values. Character matters in our leadership. This isn't about partisanship or a political party. It's about the future of our commonwealth, our children, our freedom, and it's all at stake. 
So plan to vote this year. For more information, go to CommonwealthPolicyCenter.org to find out more about the candidates, and then make sure you vote your values on Tuesday, November the 7th.